Um, we are continuing our, our journey through the book of Philippians this week. We're in chapter 3, verses 17 to 21. Thank you, Glenna, for reading that for us. Uh, if you didn't know, my wife Raven and I, in August of 2021, we moved from St. Catharines, Ontario, uh, where both of us had lived in the Niagara region for basically all of our lives. Uh, we had a, a home there that we owned and um, lots and lots of connections. Uh, we moved from there, we sold our home, and uh, moved to the west coast of Scotland to a city called Ayr. Uh, it's about an hour south of Glasgow. It was scary, right? Like we sold our home and moved across the world. It was a whirlwind. Uh, there were all kinds of things going on. Like up until one week before our flight to Scotland, we didn't know where we were gonna live. Uh, that, was, that was a lot of anxiety. Um, and it, was, it wasn't until a complete stranger, like a complete stranger who I talked to on the phone one time who was just connected to a church that I emailed over there, uh, just agreed to be uh, a financial guarantor for us uh, that we were able to get a spot because we didn't have Scottish credit, so no one wanted to rent to us. So someone just that we'd never met before decided, yeah, you know what, uh, you know, I feel like God is, is leading me to, uh, to, to put my name down. I'll co-sign for you. Never met us. That, like, it, was, it was amazing. There are so, actually, in that whole process, there are so many God stories of the way that, that he was so faithful uh, to us as we were like stepping out, we were, we were taking a risk um, together, and, and the timing of it all, it's, wonder, it's like a really wonderful, like treasured memory for Raven and I. Um, if you want to hear more of those stories sometime, just like talk to either of us. I'm sure we'd love to tell them. But I can remember, after all of the stress in the whirlwind and everything was happening, we finally get on the airplane and we're just like, right? Like, <laughs> but it's happening. We're going to Scotland. Um, and the flight was, you know, as good as could be expected as a person who's over six feet tall on an international flight where you're like cramped. But, uh, but I have this very specific memory from the flight. So when we finally, we'd finally crossed the ocean and we're back over top of land. And I remember looking out the window of the airplane and I had this like sinking feeling in my stomach because it looked very familiar right? Like everything down there, like cities and towns, like it looked very, very familiar, but it was just that like little bit different. It was just that little bit of strangeness that when I looked down underneath the plane at the land that we were flying over top of, I knew that's not home, right? Like, like it looked familiar, but I knew that's not home. And I knew that we weren't going to go home for at least a year, it was, it, was a, it was a very, it's a hard to describe kind of experience, but I had this very, very distinct feeling of like being, being like displaced. Like there were lots of feelings of excitement and some anxiety about the unknown, and, and the, but, the, but there was this, just this strangeness that the place where we were heading right now is where we're going to be for quite a while, and I can already tell from way up here, however many thousand feet above the ground, that it is that it isn't like my home, that it's different. And I don't know if you've ever felt something like that before. Like maybe I'm really sensitive to it, I'm not sure. Like I know when I go across the border from Canada to the United States, like growing up in Niagara Falls, Niagara Falls area, um, like was really close to the border. Like my mom would go across the border to buy groceries and put gas in the car because it saved money. Like it was just a common place. So it, but, but really like if you've ever crossed the border from Niagara Falls, Ontario to Niagara Falls, New York, like immediately you have a sense like I'm in a different country. Like it feels different. And for me, that comes with a feeling of I'm not just I'm in a different country, I'm in the wrong country. Like that's how it feels for me. 
Um, this is not my home. And it's nice to go there and to stay for a while, but it's just not home. So you'd imagine my surprise, right? After Raven and I have moved to Scotland, we've gotten there, we've done our two weeks of isolating in our apartment, just looking out the window. We're like, that's Scotland out there. And we're like stuck inside because it's 2021 and we're still COVID isolation. As we're looking at our window, that isolation is finally done. And we get connected to a person who offers to show us around town. And as we drive around the town, they point out this new restaurant that's just been put in, in this small little town in our south of Glasgow where we're living. It's this new place. It's kind of like coffee, kind of like fast food. I don't really know. Maybe you've heard of it. It's something to do with hockey. It's called Tim Hortons. <laughs> like real, like, like in our town, there it is. There's a Tim Hortons. So here we are, thousands of miles away from home, everything very similar, but strangely different. And then we find like a tiny slice of Canada, right? Like, like, like this Canadian outpost on the western shores of Scotland. And now, if I'm being honest, if there was anything that I could have brought from Canada to Scotland, I probably would not have picked Tim Hortons. Uh, no offense to the Tim Hortons people in the room. And that Tim Hortons, they actually didn't know what a double-double was. So that's, you know, it was different, right? <laughs> but there was something unique, right, about having this little slice of Canada there for us to wave at when we went to the much nice caf- nicer cafe in the same plaza called Grow. Um, so I, I, don't know if, I don't know if you know this, but th- this imagery, this imagery of like a little slice of home in a foreign place actually serves as the backdrop for the book of Philippians, right? See, the, the book of Philippians, the city of Philippi, Philippi was a colony of Rome, right? So it, it's local governance and it's municipal laws. That was all Roman. There were two military officers who were appointed directly from Rome to run Philippi. They were called the Dumviri or something like that. Um, but, but it went beyond having the laws of Rome. It would have actually looked like Rome. Like to, to the Roman military folks who resided in Philippi on behalf of Rome, it would have felt like finding a Tim Hortons in Scotland. Like really, like, like when, when it was taken over as a Roman colony, they kept the Macedonian walls of the city because that was, you know, strategically that was good. Um, but they reconstructed a whole lot of the city. It was a wealthy place. It was settled on gold mines. And so they had the funds to really dress it up like home. Uh, they added a whole bunch of monuments. They put in a proper Roman forum. Um, there were terraces on both sides of those walls, like Roman-style terraces. They did so much. They did so much that this city, 800 miles away from Rome, like six, like a treacherous six weeks of travel, right? If you're there, six weeks of treacherous travel to get back to Rome. Like this city, in 2017, it was declared a World Heritage Site. One of the main reasons that they say, you read, the, this is a quote, they say that one of the main reasons that Philippi is a world heritage site is because of its exceptional Roman architecture. Like if you get, if you get digging into some of the papers, frequently Philippi is discussed, they will say it was a mini Rome in Eastern Macedonia. So if you live in Philippi, this status of your city as a Roman colony cannot escape your mind. It is, it is literally every place that you look. You're in the surrounding area, it's Macedonia, but as soon as you get to the gates of Philippi, you step through and you step through into Rome. 
And this matters, right? Because in our text this morning, Paul is pulling from that very image to remind the church about who they are as the church. And for us to really understand it, we need to keep that idea in our mind. So let's take a look at the text again. We started at verse 17, right? And it said, join together in following my example, brothers and sisters, just as you've had us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. He's talking about discipleship, right? And we've talked a lot about this in the last couple of weeks, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it, but we have this, there's this process that we're invited into as followers of Jesus, right? There's, our salvation isn't just something that has happened. It's something that has happened, is happening, and will happen. And the fancy theological terms we had for that where there's justification, right? And then there's sanctification. That's the ongoing work of being made holy. And then there's glorification. That's like the, the end of the story when we're finally, we die and we're reunited with Christ and we're, we're like made, made right, right? Um, so our salvation, it, it has happened. It is happening. It will happen. And in the right now, so in that sanctification part, there's a call, right? There is a call on our lives to follow after Jesus faithfully. We call this journey of following after Jesus discipleship. And usually this happens in relationships. Like we need to journey with someone. We need someone to learn from. And Paul is encouraging the followers of Philippi into that practice of finding someone to help them grow in their faith, someone to help them become spiritually mature. And I, I don't know if you know this, but actually, if you are a member of our church, you're a member of our church, you've actually made a commitment to do this. So this is from the manual of the Free Methodist Church in Canada. Here is the first requirement of membership. It said, if, so if you remember, you've gone through this, you've done through this. The first requirement is this, this is a quote, Christian baptism, confession of a personal experience of, re- of re- regeneration, and a pledge to seek diligently until wholly sanctified. That's the pledge that we commit to when you, when you join our church as a member. It's beautiful, because it's not just like, joining into membership is not just, it's not like, um, it's not this promise, I'm going to be perfect. Right? But it's like, as a member, I'm going to come, I'm going to be a part of this church, and I'm going to, like, to, to join in this process with you in trying to live a life that reflects who Jesus is. And then us as a church, like, we have a commitment to you to help you in that journey. Right? That's even like, as I'm like, hey, who wants to, who's, who's thinking about maybe they want to take the next step further? Like, perhaps being in a, in a home church would be something meaningful. Like, that's that's because of this. Like, how do I, as the pastor, how do I make sure that our ministries actually help you to, to go forward in that journey as Christians, right? So, so this is the thing, though. That, that this is, if you remember a church, you've committed to it, and that's what Paul is starting us off with in this passage. Keep your eyes on those who live as we do. Find someone who is a faithful Christian and learn from them. And then he goes on to say how grieved he is. He's deeply grieved that there are so many people who are not living in this way, right? And he's got some harsh words. Their God is their stomach. Their glory is in their shame. And no doubt, this is in reference to the abundance, the opulence, the gluttonous living that would have been common in this wealthy Roman colony city of Philippi. And then he said, but, so we have something contrary, right? He says, says, some people are living this self-focused life. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship, right? Now he's talking specifically to the church. He says, our citizenship as followers of Jesus is in heaven. Now there's an alternative translation of this, which I, I absolutely adore. It was first put forward by a Scottish theologian named James Moffat in like the 1940s. This is how he renders this verse. He writes, their mind is set on earthly things, but we are a colony 
of heaven. We, we are a colony of heaven. Now, now I want to be clear, word for word, it's probably not the best translation. The, 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 the word um, polutuma, like the Greek word there, uh, the, a better gloss for it is probably citizen or commonwealth, we're a commonwealth of heaven, or even a conversation. We are like in a conversation, a heavenly conversation. But I, but I think, and multiple commentaries agree with me on this, so it's not just out of left field, but I, I think when we take the direct context of Philippi into account as a colony of Rome, this is actually one of the best ways for us to understand the meaning of this text for us to really have that meaning of this text illuminated for us. So, so here's the question then, if we are a colony of heaven, church, what would it mean to you if I were to say to you, Blue Mountain Community Church, you are a colony of heaven here in Thornbury? What would that mean? Because that's what Paul is saying. That is what the church is. We are a heavenly colony here on earth. What would that mean for you? How would that, how would that shape the way that you think about being the church here in this city? Right? Like if this Roman colony in Macedonia built terraces on the walls and added a proper Roman forum so that they could be a good colony of Rome in Macedonia, what might the reconstruction of Blue Mountain Community Church be like if we were trying to make this place more like heaven? And no, we're not going to pave the streets with gold, but I do think that there's an invitation for us in this text to use our sanctified imaginations together to imagine, to dream about what a colony of heaven might look like. And then on a personal level, what might it look like for you in your life to recognize that this place is not the final destination? right? That, that actually you are a citizen of somewhere else, of a heavenly place. And what would it look like for you to truly embody that way of living, of being in that heavenly culture as you're still here in this place in time? As I imagine this as a church, I think worship is such a great example. Such a great example. And I feel like when, when I am in our church and we are worshiping our hearts out and I can hear our voices lifted up together as one voice, there is something special in that, right? Like, the, like, like our voices are joining with the voices in heaven of angels who sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen? But what else? Like, I'm, I'm really curious. Can we, like, can we actually brainstorm here for a minute? What would it look like if we took this idea seriously? If we sought to be a colony of heaven, if we prayed the Lord's prayer and said those words, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, we prayed on in Thornbury as it is in heaven, then what, if we really saw that God doing that in our midst, what might it look like? That's a real question. I'm curious. Feel free to shout out your answers. <laughs> like, let's brainstorm together for a minute. What could this be? Yeah. We're going to get to that. <laughs> yeah, don't worry. <laughs> but you can, I, I'd love to hear what you have to say, though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, yeah, so what I'm hearing you say, like hearts restored, right? Like hearts set right. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so like in in a really like I'm with you. I'm 100% tracking. That's, that's what we're trying to say, right? It's like there's this invitation for us as the church to to be a colony of heaven. To to for this to be a place that that is like a like the a taste of what it might be like, right? And so. In, in a really practical sense, you just said, like, feed the poor. Let's feed the poor. Yeah, that's a great example, right? So in heaven, there, there is no more, like, hunger and thirsting. Like, people will have their needs met, right? Like, Christ will be there. He will meet their needs. How can we as a church, one of the things we can do when it comes to being the church here, when it comes to being a colony of heaven, is feed the poor, right? Is actually, that's something we can do that helps that kingdom to come that will be done here as in heaven. Do we have any other ideas, other thoughts like that? Like quick, like like feed the poor. That's a great one. Um, other other ideas. Let's brainstorm together. Pardon? Meals together. Yeah, absolutely. That image of like the table that we all come together and we're like in community with one another. Like beautiful. Absolutely. Meals together. That's great. Other ideas. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great example. That's something we've been involved in recently is, is building wells in India, right? To, for people who, where more people die from like, like bad water, right? Than everything else combined. It's like, okay, God's kingdom come here. Like we're participating in justice work, like bringing clean water to those who don't have it. Great example. Yeah. 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 Caring for the marginalized, caring for the sick, like absolutely. Those are great examples. I also think about forgiveness and reconciliation, right? Like like being people who embody that, being people who have received such a great forgiveness that we're able to extend forgiveness to others. Yeah, Joan. Yeah, absolutely. Shelter to the homeless. That's another great example justice, right? Um, I have like one of my things I wrote down is like scarcity. Like in, (laughs) there is no more, right? In heaven, there is no more scarcity. Competition is over. Like poverty, caring for the poor, the homeless, absolutely. I also wrote peace, right? 
people across division will be able to be brought together in unity. How can we embody that? How can we actually be peacemakers? Not just people who keep the peace, but people who are actively involved in bringing peace where there is discord, right? Another example I had was, it, this is a great accessibility, right? Like in, in heaven, no one would be prevented from coming and fully participating in the life of, of, of the Father on the basis of physical limitations. Like being a place that is accessible is being a place that, that is like heaven here on earth, right? Joy. Joy is another beautiful one, right? Like, like the idea that we come together in heaven and like joy abounds because we are with Jesus, right? Like we would be people of joy. What does it look like for us to embody that together? The one that I thought might come up, I didn't know if it would come up, is, is something that's talked about when we read these passages of scripture about what heaven is like, is it says there will be no more tears, right? And there'd be no more death, right? And these, these ones are features of heaven that we just can't even begin to attain towards here on earth, right? Like to try to do that would be to deny something very, very important which is that even if we are still, even if we are a colony of heaven, this isn't heaven yet, right? Like, like we are still living in a world, in an age where brokenness exists, where death and despair worm their way into each and every life. And again, this is a natural feature of being a colony, right? Like it's not the same as the real thing. When I saw Tim Hortons over in Scotland, it was a taste of home but it wasn't the same thing as truly being home and hugging my friends and family, right? It would have been the same for a Roman citizen who lived in Philippi. It would have been a taste of home, but not the same as actually going and being in Rome. And I, I think that it's the exact same when we think about being a colony of heaven's citizens here in this church. There will be tastes of beauty that is to come, but we will also still have hurt and brokenness that comes. We'll still be living here in this earth. And this is, I think, where Paul leads us to in the last bit of our passage for today, right? So we'll start at verse 20. He says, but our citizenship is in heaven, or we are a colony of heaven, and we eagerly await a savior from there, right? The Lord Jesus, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. While we are here, we recognize that our citizenship is in heaven. We try to live as a colony of heaven, embodying what it might mean for us in the here and the now. And yet, we still have that sinking feeling in our stomach that this isn't our true home. Actually, what that means is that we live with a hope, right? We live with an expectant longing, desiring the day when faith becomes sight. When Jesus breaks through into this space and sets everything right, when he brings everything under his control and, and transforms even our bodies in their brokenness and frailty into something new and glorious. That's the hope, right? Here's the thing, church. We are called to live as citizens, to be this colony to the very best of our ability, but also to hold in our hearts the expectant hope of Christ's return. That through him, 
all the things that we attain towards in this waiting will have their fullness come to pass, right? But there's a tension here. We look and we long, understanding that this will not come in full without God's dramatic intervention. But we also seek to live lives that confess the truth of what is to come. We live like that is the place where we really belong. We make decisions in our lives about all kinds of things, in our relationships, in our giftings, in our time, in our finances, in our families, as if we really belong to this other place. And I just got to think that, that that way of living, like for our church to be that community, what a witness it would be. Like, can you imagine what it would be like for someone to, who doesn't know anything about Christianity, who doesn't know anything about following Jesus, to walk into this church and to taste that little foretaste of that heavenly community? Like, there's that, there is something here that is, that is special, something here that is different. What a witness that would be. So I'm curious, church, how has your imagination been sparked by the idea that you are a citizen of God's kingdom? What would it look like for you to bring to action a thought or a belief that you hold on that front? Maybe it means forgiving someone that you've held for something that you've held against them. Maybe it means standing up for justice where there has been injustice. Maybe it means making space for something that you would have never held space for before in your life. Maybe it means feeding the poor. Maybe it means sharing meals together with your church family. I don't know what kind of radical things God might call you to as you dream about living in his kingdom, but I hope, I hope that by fixing our eyes on him, we might all step a little further into living that out as we gather together as a church community. And one of those things that I mentioned earlier was that beautiful taste of heaven that we get when we raise our voices together in worship. So I'm going to invite Nikki and Joshua back up to lead us in another couple songs. And I'd encourage you, as we worship together, I'd encourage you to open your hearts this morning to catch that glimpse of our true home. And I hope that it creates in you, I hope it creates in you like a deep, deep, deep longing for the real thing. Yeah? Let's pray. Jesus, come and be with us. Lord, help us to taste the closeness of your presence. Inspire our hearts as we lift our voices in worship to you, God. God, lead us forward in an expectant hope and help us to live lives that reflect our true home, our identity as citizens of your kingdom. We ask this in your name. Amen. I invite you to stand as we respond in worship today. Thanks for listening to the Blue Mountain Community Church Podcast. May God's word fill you up this week. God bless.